Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City. We're now in the middle of summer. I wish it was 1976, 1977. Then again, we would have rioting in the streets, garbage not being picked up, and disco becoming the name, the new word of the moment. Okay? Because everyone talks about pre-disco and post-disco and Sinai fever. But the man that I'm going to bring up in a second, he is what I call an architect, engineered this disco thing from the European side, and as well, I've awarded him, and I'm going to give it to him, and others have said the same, king of disco, in a better word. He just received the Medal of Honor, the highest Legion of Honor from Macron, because my French is terrible, but I will say it Macron. Macron handed him Legion of Honor, which makes him similar to like getting an MBE or becoming a knight of England. He's become a knight because of his musical accomplishments and everything he's given to the world. I'd like to introduce to you all, right here on True House Stories, Mr. Mark Cerrone. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks to invite me. Cerrone, you are a legend of legends. You're humble. You also are an incredible artist, fantastic drummer, all the above, as we all, you know, tell, as we've all known and danced to your music. We've all grew up, loved, wanted to be you, in a sense. Some of us wanted to be Cerrone, in a sense, you know. But before we get started asking the first question, I'm going to ask, I've asked all the artists over the last six months, eight months, how have you been handling COVID? Because everything stopped for everybody. So you can tell us what's been going on in your life with COVID. Wow, it's a long life, you know. Uh, and, and first of all, I'm sorry for my uh, approximative uh, English. He's English. I'm going to try fantastic. to do it best. He's doing great. Tell him he's doing great. <laughs> Write to him. He's doing fantastic. Oh, you know, so to respond to your, uh, at your question, I start when I was uh, 12 years old. I start with the drums. Because I was a kid, really, you know, I, I tap everywhere uh, all the time. And my mother tried to focalize uh, this energy and said to me, if you work, work well at the school, I will, uh, I will buy you uh, at the end of the year uh, a drums. What surprise. Why not? And anyway, uh, one year after, I got the drums. And during, the, 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 during these years, Every time when I listen to music on the radio or the TVs, I always focus on the drummer. So when I receive my first drums, I have already a few techniques and understand a lot of the things, how you, 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 tap on, you, you tap on snare or the kick or whatever. And so after that, um, I started to build a few bands, you know, with a friend uh, who keep the guitar, who keep the keyboard. And uh, until, uh, until when I was 18 years old, I uh, built a band. The name was uh, Congas, who was at the beginning uh, an Afro-rock band. And, uh, and after uh, three, four years, we worked together to have so many concerts because the, the band had a great success in Europe. Uh, and we signed to the U.S. My first contract in U.S. was uh, with Congas, with Buddha Records in 1973. Can you believe that? Buddha. Buddha, that was Buddha. bought out by Arista later. <laughs> he right. came Right. <laughs> Arista. 
Buddha. Yeah. Was that and, with Clive uh, Davis? Was Buddha with that under Clive Davis? Did they was that his time? That's right. During his that's time, right? That's right. And, so uh, hang on, hang on. Let me ask a first question because where we get right, right. The congas, the congas. Now that time, seventy-two. Were you now? You're playing the drums, of course. Were you also production and engineering? What was the the story behind that? No, uh, uh, the all bound uh, put the hand on the on the, the arrangement. Uh, you know, we we was creative uh, creatively. We was really uh, together. And but the the bound uh, because the record company pushed after one single success and two and three. And then the, the hard record company push the bound to to make more pop and pop and pop, and I don't want that. So after discussion and discussion, I leave the band, and I stopped to do a music uh, for one year and a half. But I was so frustrated, so I I, uh, I said I'm going to do a one uh, one last. Uh, LPs regarding one recording one LPs. It's going to be my last one. Uh, in the beginning of your career, like, wait, wait. In the yes. beginning of your career, you're already saying this is it for me. I'm just, yes. I'm and done. That, that why? Was, uh, so uh, I, uh, I have no direction uh, specifically. Absolutely not for the radio. Absolutely not for three minutes or four minutes. That why the, the track is six minutes and a half. That was Love in C minor. Well, yeah, well, that was going to ask you that later, how you came with these long, long versions and why. But that was, no. but, but Anikana O oh, and that records before that, like the Dr. Duda, those are shorter versions. No, the Dr. Duda, that was uh, in 1980, something like that. That's what uh, Dr. Luda come with in LPs, Africanism, that was the name of the LPs. Uh, Dr. Luda, Tattoo Woman, kind of track. Anyway, and Love in C minor, when the, the recording was uh, finished, I tried to, to get the deal with no really idea how much we can sell, maybe 12 or 15 copies, and nobody wants to sign. So a friend of mine said to me, if, if we go back to London, Island Records can make uh, for private people some vinyl. So I go to Island. Island said to me, minimum 5,000. I said, wow, 5,000 is too much. But anyway, I, the, I, I accept. We manufactured 5,000 copies of Love in C minor. And I start to put on some shop, some discotheque, the records, and the success was really, uh, come really fast. And uh, three, four months after, some friend of mine said to me, wow, we, we, we heard your track in, uh, in New York, in the club. I said, what? It's not possible. It's not released. That was why, because uh, at that time, Frankie Crocker, who was a DJ star on the radio, WBLS. Can I, can I stop you? Can, can, let me have this clarified. Let me ask this question. Island Records in the UK, you said 5,000. That, that, did you have to pay? Did they pay you in advance, or was it that you paid to have it pressed, which I, I was missing? No, no, that. I pay to have 5,000 uh, 5, vinyl delivery. 
Oh, you so you paid. So you basically paid your own money. Yes, of course. Yes. Okay. So the, hang on. Everybody listen to this carefully. When you believe in yourself, he took the money. He went to the studio, made the record and paid the $5,000 to get the record. I'm sorry, to get the 5,000 vinyl pressings. That's called dedication. But I'm sorry. I want everybody to understand that because I wasn't and, sure I was doing that correctly. <clears throat> and, um, and one record shop in, uh, in France, in Champs-Élysées, who was the name uh, uh, Chant Disque, record chain, 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 uh, chain. Uh, sorry again for my bad English. Anyway, I, I give to the shop uh, 10 copies. The day after, he said to me, hey, when the dishes listen, he buy it. Bring it to me 50. So we bring it to him 50. Week after, the guy called me and said, uh, uh, I want three, uh, I take the risk. Deliver it to me 300 copies. We delivered it through the copy. We were so excited, you know. Yeah. And, uh, the guy called me back two days after. I said to him, you already sell 300 copies? He said, no, I have a stupid uh, guy in, uh, in the shop. We're supposed to, re to send back in New York to a reseller some Barry White. Not sell. The guy make a mistake. He sent your record there. So deliver it to me. 50, uh, 50 copy uh, and to wait until the, your record come back. My records never come back to France. So a mistake, and, a mistake and, that the Barry White was returned, but the Barry White was a Sarone <laughs> record. The Barry White, everybody, he was saying this is called return. So what happened was they usually returned the vinyls back in the days, okay? And they would go back to the record plant, uh, to the record company when they would get a credit. In his case... Sarone's mistake was the records, and a good mistake, the records went instead of Barry White, that's Sarone record. So they're probably going, what is this? And, and the rest of the story is, so when the, the guy from the, re, uh, the reseller opened the box, he see the sleeve, and the sleeve, you know, with the girl nude in the front. Oh. I, I put that to, to get a little bit light, you know, a little bit uh, attraction. Anyway, he listened the record, and he planned, the guy was on the DJs uh, during the night. He planned the club. People come to, the, to, to, to him, what is it? What is it? What is it? Anyway, and uh, the guy keep the 300 for him and he sell from this, uh, this set of DJ in the club. Do you remember the, the DJ? Do you remember the DJ in New York that was doing that? Or the person? Can you remember? Uh, not yet. What I remember, because I can't forget that, one DJ star, uh, Frankie Crocker. Oh, sure. WBLS, yes. He tried to reach me to make a deal with me for the for that for Loving Simonia. But he tried to reach me in UK because in back of the sleeve he was right there printed in England. Right, exactly. And nobody knows me there. So what uh, Frankie Crocker decided, he go to see Neil Bogart from Casablanca Records and he make a cover. And the name of the cover was uh, uh, The Art of the Soul Orchestra, Provinci Minor Surround. Heart and Soul Orchestra, the Casablanca and, album, yeah. Frankie Crocker with the white suit. I had it. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, and the, the, the Lovinci Minor, the, the, the cover of Lovinci Minor, come on top 10 to the Billboard charts really fast. 
that make give me a, a great buzz because when i heard that with a friend of mine we arrived to new york and i start to ring the bell and i just atlantic records the first one to check maybe i can get the deal with this uh, this uh, little stories on the street yes yeah, i can make a cover anyway i signed my uh, my deal with atlantic who did you wait Wait, 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 I'm so wrong. Wait, 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 hang on. Who did you see? Who was the one that handled this at Atlantic? Who was the guy? You remember? Yes. Uh, 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 um, uh, Jerry Greenberg, who was the... Jerry Greenberg. Yes, yes. And uh, when he signed, he said to me, your story are so funny, <laughs> so incredible. I want to explain that to the public. I want to present to you someone. And he presented to me, uh, Ahmed Artegun. He was on the Ahmed Erdogan, yes. Yes. And uh, between Ahmed and, and Jerry Greenberg, uh, that uh, two guys for seven years, he opened all the door for me and, and create a, a street way, you know. Uh, uh, absolutely fantastic. It's big help. And the, the, my copy was released uh, two, three months after the cover. And go bingo, number one immediately. And, okay. Uh, and he got any. That was worldwide. And he come back to France one year later. And of course, all uh, records company who uh, I tried to get a deal at the beginning, everybody told me, why you don't come to us? Of you course. did go to them. I know you went to them. <laughs> I know you went to because I've heard that a thousand times. I never heard the record. I, I can tell you the story. Write, write them all down. You never gave it to me. Yes, I did. Right? You gave it to everybody. You played it for everybody. Right? Yeah. So in two words, this uh, that was my, the beginning of my career. I now, yes. now tell me how you made these records and why. What was because you were already giving up on your career? What was the story? The, this the, 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 okay, because I tuned so much on the discotheque or uh, concert, real concert, you know, uh, with congas. I understand uh, one thing on the congas, I've, I've got a, a two percussion player, great, great position, and that guy go like uh, maybe five and seven minutes every show. On, on on the on solo, and to to give them some some you know some things assist we said in France like boom 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 like that the percussionist can can play on that. So I understand the my the, the kick right on the front. You can stay uh, longer as you want until what you you put on top is great. So. First idea, as a drummer uh, for Loving Seminar, I put the kick all the way through and right in the front. I'm a drummer. It's my last LPs. I don't care. I put my drums right in the front. That's what I got in the idea uh, on the front. Then I will, I will love the, the, the string of Barry White. I love the brass of, uh, of Jerry Hay from Chicago. You know the band Chicago. Chicago, I love, uh, yes, I did a lot of things like that, and I put everything together. It was Loving Seminar is not a song; it's like a, a sixteen minute of atmosphere. That was my, my my focus, 
create an atmosphere and try to keep the people listening and stay on this atmosphere the most as I can. And I stop after 16 minutes and a half. And Sherry on the cake, uh, uh, there is not so much vocalist on Love in C minor. No. But three great backing vocal who work with uh, Elton John, who work with a lot of great uh, artists. And uh, at the end of the mix, I invite uh, the three girls to come in the studio to have a drink and listen, the, because it was so strange to do a song like that. So different than the, everything uh, was in the, on the market at that moment. So mm. I, I, I invite the three girls, and during the, the, the play, one start to do, oh, great, oh, dear. and I said, wait, 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 you know what? Let me record that. Just do what you want. Do anything you feel when you hear the string or the brass or, or the guitar, whatever you want. And that was the real cherry on the cake to create 16 minutes of atmosphere. That wow. was my concept. Was was okay on the writing staff. Was Don Ray? I know you were friends with Don Ray for many years, right? And those Don Ray, he two years ago. And of course, uh, you cannot have a, a great career or do something great your own, no matter what. If you decide everything, and uh, for the longer of my career, I've always chose the talented people. Uh, thanks my nose of that and my hair. And <laughs> you know, okay. that Dunray was one of the best of that. Uh, every time when I tried to explain to him what, what kind of a string I would like, I, uh, what kind of sound I would like, uh, what, why the string at that moment and not at that moment, uh, we have really great understanding together for 30 years. So, because in the back of some albums, I saw, I think, Don Ray, and, and when Standing in the Rain, you would see him standing, sitting there, writing on the musical staff. So he was sitting, yes. writing for the orchestra, right? Because I can imagine, you know, you have to explain this. You're in the studio. What studio? Where Where were you? And who was doing what? Of course, you're playing the drums. We know that. And you're producing and, and stuff. What was going on as you're making this record? You walk in the room. You have the orchestra. How is it all set up for you? Oh, you know, with the keyboard, at first you create the bass, the line of bass. Then with the with the, the, the recording, you know, the reverse. You're recording the bass, you're recording the kind of, a, with the keyboard, the kind of a guitar, the, the groove of a guitar. You know, you build. And then, and then, like an architect, you dispose everything you want. And you must have the great... Great arranger as done right. That's important. Great. And then also I become fall a lot when I in the studio at the Trident Studio in London, who was at that moment the top studio. And no matter what, I, I explain when I I booked the studio for three months, but I don't want to hear with the, the small speaker, you know, the 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 little speaker. I said, uh, I come from I come from the stage. I pass my life on stage. So I want a big speaker. The guy said, to do what? <laughs> to do what? My staff, my creation. So I I asked to deliver, for a company to deliver two big screens. Okay. And, and we worked maybe half a day 
on the kick, the sound of the kick. Uh, because uh, there was no, no machine at that time. You know? No, your so, foot, no, no, you're not, no, 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 you were the machine. The foot was your machine. You just pushed yeah, it at, yeah. boom, so boom, six minutes playing. I, I, I record for 20 minutes with the, with the kick on the, on the here, boom, boom, only the kick. Oh. The click with a, it's like a click the track. The kick on my ear, you know, the boom, kick on my boom, ear. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, then I put the snare, then I put the hi-hat, then I put the bass, then I play on top of that. But uh, like like you play a drums on top of the of the machine today. Imagine if you right. press the And that bring the, the mechanic, you know, the, the mechanic... Uh, what kind of mechanic I want, and um, and we build day by day. We build. So now here's the next question. I sat with Earl Young, who's another that we, he's nicknamed the Time Machine. Of course, the other drummer that came with, you know, and everyone on this side of the world says Earl Young was probably the first, if not the first, to come with the straight four-four kick, the straight boom-boom, you know, straight four to the floor kick sound. Um, because of the early gambling hub stuff. Did you hear any of that stuff coming from America or you just decided no, to play I told, it? I told you before. When no, I, I know you on stage with Congas, that is the moment where I understand because the two guys was in the front of the stage to do a solo. Yes. And I was in the back with my hi-hat and the kick to help, as I said, these two guys. Right. And okay. When we step at the end of the solo, I do my drum solo, and then we we we, we play another track with a with a normal rhythm, you know, like a rock band or whatever. It was not the same. And every time we, for the pleasure, I do, you know, boom, boom, boom. Every time I see the public react really well, so I keep that side, and that was the 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 the. the how can I send my uh, conductor, you know? Yeah, exactly. And also that keeps the rhythm of the dance floor uh, or uh, keep the people locked, that 4-4 four, four straight kick. Wow, that's crazy. Because, you know, here on this side of the world, they, a lot of people say uh, Earl Young gets the credit for that for on the first records of the disco where you hear that 4-4 four, four sound. And on your records, you hear it very strong, the kick. And everything's forward. The drums are so forward on your records. It's incredible. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, at that moment, everybody uh, who, who knows me by Wisconsin, who I'm, knows I'm a real drummer and not so bad drummer, <laughs> a lot of musicians said to me, Mark, why you try to play like a machine? And when you said at that time in 1975, the word machine, what do you mean machine? What do you mean, machine? What exactly? <laughs> so, if, of course, today, 50 years after closing, uh, when you hear the music of today, no matter what the style, the drums right on the front, the kick right, it's, 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 yeah, it surprised me. But it's the real, the, the real thing. You know what I mean? Of course, I know exactly what you mean. So, WBLS in New York is playing Love and C Minor. Frankie Crocker's version first because he's promoting his album, and you get the Atlantic deal. It's Jerry Greenberg and uh, Armin Atlantic. Yeah, and Atlantic signed you, and this, and then you begin the three month 
production in, in England, in London, right? At Trident Studios. Right. So in three months, okay, so who's on the writing staff and what was the deal? Was it to do an album or go single by single that they wanted from you? No, the Ahmed Tertigun uh, was so excited and uh, and uh, after we discussed and discussed, uh, he signed uh, me uh, right away, five years, three LPs. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, and uh, of course, when I do my second LP, Paradise, uh, who got a great success too. So for me, it was logic, you know, after one success, minimum the second can work well. Um, I'm always uh, feel it's going gonna, it's gonna to be for a few months and then uh, over. I never uh, trust I'm going to be on this business for, for a long time. And uh, because that, because I, I, I was not on the, you know, satisfaction or whatever, uh, I take a risk with uh, Supernature, my third LP. Oh. And, and when I bring uh, my third LP, LPs to Jerry Greenberg, I met Artigun on his office. We listen the first track, who was Give Me Love. Oh. If we love, it's a little bit the suite of Love in C minor and Paradise. And then I said, but this is not the single. The single is this. And he listened Supernatural, and I see these two guys like, oh, God. Why? No. So run. We work on you. You have a sound, a certain sound. What is it? What is this lyrics? What does it mean? And I insist we have no fight, but we have, you know, some... The argument, the argument begins. We have started argument. And uh, anyway, Supernature was released. And uh, it, uh, the, the, the success was massive. Absolutely. Yeah, massive. We know that. But, but at so first, for, the pushback, they were pushing back. No, no, Saron, this is not the sound, right? And you're going, yes, it's my sound. And uh, okay, but I don't okay. accept. I don't accept. I, I got that color, you know, like a green color or red color, and that's it for your rest of the life. Okay, Saron. So I think an artist has to take some risk. You have to have a Saron. Hang on, brother. One second. You're in England. You're getting ready to do the Supernature. How does that come together? Do you sit with Don Ray? Who's this is my idea in my mind. How do you formulate something oh, like this? No, this no, no, yes. So you're discussing with everybody what you want to do. So tell me what that was like. Who was the people around you that was working? Okay. okay. We was close to the end of the, the production of the Give Me, <clears throat> Give me Love and the LP, the third LP. <coughs> and um, I received from a, a, a company, ARP, a box was a machine, an Odyssey, and uh, with a letter, if you use, uh, it's a gift, if you can use for your next production, please put the credit of us. I opened the machine, and the first sound I heard, it, it was and I tried to stop that thing to get, you know, like a real keyboard, and it took me a long time. And because it pissed me, pissed me off so much, but da, 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 I changed my, 
my finger. And after a few minutes, oh, I put my machine, my Revox, you know, my. Yes, go ahead. Go For a few minutes. Okay. Then easily I put. And then I changed with the chord. And uh, and uh, and I, t- I, s- I sing a melody on top, and I call it take me uh, one uh, one and a half a day to do this peninsula. And then I call uh, uh, Don Ray, please come. I think, oh, I'm totally crazy, or I think I put the finger on something really interesting. And Don Ray, as uh, as I told you before, we have so great understanding together. Don Ray to me, you and him, brother, you and him were geniuses, both, sorry. You and him to me, musically, are disco geniuses. Go ahead. ahead. So he's telling Don Ray, what does Don Ray say when he hears it? And Don Ray said, wow, Mark, wow. It's no matter what, what we're going to do with this. But it's so exciting. So we go back to London, to Trident, together, and we construct, and we build uh, the track. And uh, I was so excited about, about that. And also, I chose for the lyrics at uh, 180 degrees of Love in C minor. I chose Lena Lovich, who wrote an incredible lyrics uh, uh, for the planet. And <clears throat> Lena Lovich was at the beginning of the, the punk, you know, the period of punk. So, you know, when he contestation, you know, you know uh, bad world. And I put that together. So you, you can understand why Jerry Greenberg was surprised. Of course, so, I would so, think so, I, too, because uh, you're going dark. Yeah, you're yeah, going totally yeah. dark now. You're going completely dark from the um, yeah, record. And, uh, and, you know, my stuff uh, was string, brass, uh, sexy uh, girls. And then I bring a track with the sound of the voice was not a guy, not a gay, not, not a girl. It was androgyne, you know? So, because we really work for the only little thing of sound. It's maybe, uh, this is why today, 45 years after the record is still on the road. It's crazy, right? Don't it's amazing. Yeah. How big of an orchestra did did you have for those string sections or like give me love and stuff on the when you when you when you did the string parts? Oh, repeat, repeat, repeat the question. The string players and stuff for those type of records. How many horns. string players and things like horns? Always, like, I take always a 20 string. 20 12, players? Tw- 20 string, 12 for four. Wow. Four violoncelle, four cello, and twelve string. So then together and, and double it. And double it. Yes, I think it was uh, close to the, what uh, Barry White used to. Yeah, I think so. Yes, I think so as well. It sounds it when you hear your string sections. They're huge. Wow, but the thing is, you know, like on the American side. Patrick Adams, and I know you know these names, Patrick Adams, when he did his productions and stuff, they're working on limited budgets. Even I asked Earl Young the question about uh, Salso Orchestra. 
you know, and here's the thing about Salsa Orchestra. Does everybody think that Salsa Orchestra was in a room and they went, one, two, and he started laughing. He says, no, it was me, Harrison Young, uh, Baker, Harrison Young. We did the, the rhythm track and then we bring in four string players and then comp them and then to keep the budgets down. But you listen. that situation. You had a full orchestra. Yes. Wow. And then Ray was the guy, you know, to uh, one, two, you know, like a, like a conductor. He was a great orchestra. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. I wish you had video of that, of those sessions. No. I know. Everybody wishes you had video. We would be like, see, we would, we would be dying to see that, what that would can have been. Can you imagine, can you imagine when I record La Vinci Minor, who I told you, for me, it was the last one, and then I will do something else. So you have no idea, uh, 45, no, 47 years later, I'm going to talk with an American guy, Tony Montana, about that. Can you imagine? Nobody is going to ask you these questions like that, because unless you're a record producer, they don't know to ask you these questions. I'm going to ask you things because I lived in the studio, as you see behind me. I've remixed records and produced records. So we've, us is studying you. Growing up, we've all listened to what you did. You laid down the road for us, okay? Listening to those orchestrated records with with the with the idea of thinking, oh my God, he must have had 60 people in the room playing because you can hear it sounds like it's like you're hearing a, a full like classical piece of music, not disco in a sense. It's more like classical music, but funky. You know, very well put together. Some people had asked me during the week, who was some of your main vocalists that you always went to, that you liked, that you worked with at that time? The main ones. Oh, I'm sorry, who was? The vocal, the vocal singers you used for these tracks. The oh, main, who were the main ones uh, you loved? I don't can remember. remember okay, then, uh, uh, all of our left and on the sky you know because at that time i got uh, i was what 20 years old the old girl have uh, what uh, 30 35 that was uh, madeline bell madeline bell okay kay garner who was an incredible singer and uh i see it was marine marine davis i don't remember the third one by the way, it was four, not three, four girls. Four girls. Uh, yes, I don't remember. Sorry for that. That's okay. No, no, no. I'm even don't glad you... anybody. I forget the name of my, <laughs> my Crazy. No, Sue Glover, Madeline Bell, Kay Garner, and the fourth is gonna go. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get it. Wow. Okay. The first trip you came, Atlantic. You go back to go produce again, the start of this career. Studio 54 opens, disco explodes. You come back now, Sarone, with the gold records, the platinum records. Where do you perform when you come back to America? Where's the oh, first thing? You know what? I, uh, two years ago, I, play, I made a little tour in the States, New York. She, uh, she no, 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 not now, not two years. No, in 1977, 78. Ah, when the first you come back to now as Sarone, 
Yes. The artist, not Sarone High. It's me, the Frankie Crocker. No, okay, no, no. Yes, yes, Sarone, yes. The, the star now. What happens? Where do you play? What? What happened? Uh, what happened uh, 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 the 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 okay? I leave to my country to France when I after I signed the contract. During the time to prepare the communication, the promotion, you know, the the, the manufacturing, all everything. Then Atlantic said to me, you must come back now because we're going to release and you're going to have a one week, uh, you know, go to the radio and, you know, some interview. So we I start like that. And uh, one Saturday uh, at the end of the week, of a promotional week, uh, Jerry Gumbert said to me, uh, you're going to be happy if I bring it to you on the biggest show in the States. You stand back and, and you, you'll see your old style. I said, oh, yeah, thank you. What is it? It was American bands then. We, uh, with, um, uh, uh, what is the name of the, of the, of the Dick, American? Dick Clark. Who? Dick Clark, the guy who used yes. to talk American yes. bands. I Dick used Clark. to all watch the show. Go ahead. Yes. You do American bands so, I go to with Jerry on the back of the stage. I see all the stars coming and back and forth. I was, you know, like a kid. The day when he wake up uh, after Christmas, you know, uh, yes. you know, in the morning with all of, uh, and uh, he said to me, Jerry, during during the, the show, he said maybe Dick Clark is going to present your your the, the face of the sleeve of, of your record. Wow, will be great. We arrived close to the end, and that uh, period, the show was a surprise artist at the end of the show. So we are we arrived close to the end of the show, and I said to Jerry, Jerry, uh, he don't present to me, uh, he don't present to the public my the sleeve of my record. He said, Mark, I don't promise to you. I said, maybe, so maybe, and maybe. then. I promise to you, you can see that on YouTube, my first TV show. And, and then I hear, and I heard a live band. And Jerry take my hand and said, now it's your show. What? And I arrived on, on stage with the public. Everybody cried, declared, smiling like that. You can see that on YouTube. That's the first one you walk out? The first time in America? Right? The first, first show. No real ever? soul. No real soul. Can you can imagine? No real soul. Everybody was real soul before, but when I'm arrived, like, uh, you know, and just the drums in the in the middle, and uh, Dick Clark show me your drums. I go to the drums, and we play Love in C minor. And the emotion was so big that helped me also a lot for the public because the public understands it's not bullshit, it's real. The guy is surprised, the clerk surprised the guy. He doesn't know he's going to be on live TV, my first TV in States. Oh my God. And not only is it live TV, it's the one of the greatest shows of that time. Yes, American Bandstand was the biggest show. It was a Saturday. Saturday, Saturday afternoon. I used yeah. to watch it. That was the biggest show ever. Like for music. Yeah. 
That means that's bonafide. Your record is a massive, huge, commercial pop hit. Pop hit. Not disco. Not this. You hear that, children? Pop hit. He's on American Bandstand. And I remember Dick started talking to you. He was yes. starting to talk to you. And you and your English was okay at that time? Were you comfortable talking? Oh, you know, like, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm happy to be with you. Or something like that. It's, it's, not so, uh, it's not so better today, huh, my English. Huh? Your English is, is better than mine. Better than it's, your French, I told you that. It's better than my French. Bonsoir. Oui, oui. But...